Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great big beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building directly across from Winkies. We also are able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. My guest today is John Gorey, and he is the author of Home Buying 101. And you can only imagine that for so many people, having their home is one of the biggest investments they have in their portfolio. And so it's a really important decision, not only to buy a home, um, to sell a home, thinking about purchasing a second home. Um, There's so many things and the mortgage rates have been crazy. And so I'm going to introduce our guest right now. Welcome to the show, John. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. You know, John, as you and I talked um, prior to the radio show that for our clients, for many of them, um, their home is their largest asset that they have outside of maybe their investments and things like that. And it can be a crazy, hectic time. And of course, I know that we're going to talk about some of the goofy things that are going on now. But I happened to have a friend who was selling a house. and I'd never even heard of this before. They all put in bids and they had a week. And on Saturday, they must have had 30 bids and they picked the one that they liked best. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty common right now. That was crazy. So I know that you have a lot of great things to talk about, but I am curious, whatever got you interested in writing a book about home buying at 101, home buying 101? Well, I've been writing about real estate for the Boston Globe for about Gosh, it might be six or seven years now. And uh, before then, I was writing personal finance for a couple of websites like MSN Money and TheStreet.com. I'm much more interested in homes and in place in general. I think people have this connection with place, and I find that fascinating. And where you spend your days, where you raise your family, and you know where you're going to spend your life is a huge decision that is it's more than just money, but it's also an incredibly important financial decision that people often need help with because you don't do it that often. You know, you buy a home maybe a couple of times in your life. You, you might hopefully sell one too, but uh, the first time you do it, it's really stepping into a scary sort of unknown. You're taking all the money that you've ever had. And, you know, when you're taking out a big mortgage, maybe all the money you ever think you might have uh, <laughs> and putting it in this one um, piece of real estate. So, uh, People need a little help, I think. When you're working with um, individuals or when you were thinking about writing this book, I mean, there's so many pieces that go into buying a home. What do you think or what do you consider some of the first steps that um, people should really look at when they're thinking of buying a home? When you're actually ready to start home shopping and stuff like that, I think one thing that a lot of people overlook is to really get a very experienced buyer's agent who is only looking out for you. You know, there's there's no downside to it. Their commission is generally paid for by the seller. You're not going to have to pay extra. And it, it doesn't do you a great service to just 
go with some realtor because it's your your sister-in-law's friend, you know, who just got their realtor's license or something like that. Uh, you want someone who's very experienced with the market and knows what they're doing and can guide you because that's going to be your number one resource. Uh, not that my book isn't helpful, but they're going to know the ins and outs of your local market and they're going to be able to help you. Um, but before all that, you really need to be sort of paying attention to your finances. And the sooner you can start sort of saving for a down payment, the sooner you can start sort of getting your credit score up, keep going up, um, the better. You know, time can be your ally in that regard. And as much as there are low down payment mortgages and there's even zero down payment mortgages if you are a veteran or active military, or even if you can get a USDA loan, you don't need any down payment at all. But at some point you're going to need a lump of cash to fix a boiler or you know, to put on a new roof or, or anything. It's not gonna go to waste if you spend some time saving. And so I think um, that ought to start you know, way before you're ready to, to really earnestly start going to open houses and, and house hunting. I think the other thing, um, John, maybe for people to consider too, is that so often they have an idea of what they can spend, but they haven't really formally sat down with an advisor or someone to make sure that it's really in alignment. But I've also noticed, even in my own history of buying and selling houses, that often realtors try to push you up into a higher price range than you are. You know, the downside to that is you fall in love with something you can't afford. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then nothing else looks good to you after that. It's, it's just like buying a dress. It's like buying anything, you know, and then you have to make all those concessions. So wouldn't you agree? And how do you help people to think about what is the right price range that I should be in? Right. I mean, there's a lot of online tools now which are, which are helpful. And if you have like a steady sort of predictable income, you're not, you know, it's hard if you're like self-employed, but if you have a regular paycheck, you kind of know what kind of money is coming in. You can work with that as your monthly budget. Um, and there's a lot of online calculators can help you sort of determine uh, what you ought to be looking for. And in a competitive market like this, which you know we'll talk about later in the show, but uh, you kind of be want, you want to be looking lower in that budget range so that you can afford, kind of kick it into top gear when you see a house that really sinks for you, right? It, you want to be able to go, go in hard better than asking price offer. And it's... It's tough to, once you see stuff that is really wonderful and it's out of your price range, it's tough to go back to those houses that are not as nice and they need a lot yes. more work and they're not in the, in the right place. So it's really important to be realistic and to get an accurate picture of your finances to, to understand what kind of interest rate you're going to qualify for, right? If, you're, if your credit score isn't top notch yet, you know, if you're not in the 700s, you might be looking at a higher rate and that's going to cost you more money it's going to make it your, your monthly payment will be higher and if the lower down the, the less down payment you have the higher down, the higher your monthly mortgage is going to be you know because you have to make that up um so all those things that you can do to get yourself in a better position will make it easier when the time comes <laughs> and you got to be sort of honest with yourself and be like maybe i'm not ready you know my wife and i took a first-time homebuyer class when we were gosh i think we we're still in our 20s um and the biggest thing we learned from that was that we had no business buying a home yet. <laughs> you know, we went to eight weeks of it. It was extremely helpful and we learned a lot of good stuff. But at the end, we're like, God, we don't have, you know, we didn't even have a thousand dollars to put like as a good faith deposit with our offer. Right. Like we did not have anything ready. We were just not ready. Uh, and that was important to know. You know, we waited a couple more years and there's no harm in waiting. Um, it can feel 
you know, like you're missing out. You see all your friends and co coworkers buying homes and, and the prices keep going up and up and it creates this feeling of urgency and desperation in people. Um, but you're, you're not throwing money away. You're just buying time, getting yourself better prepared. And there's nothing wrong with that if you need to wait. So there's a whole piece that you talk about where um, you have to prepare mentally for buying a home. And I think in a, some of the things that we see when we're working with a client, and very often it's our client's children to help them to determine where they are and what they can afford to buy. They forget about all the incidentals that go with buying a home, Sh you know, shower curtains and, you know, bathroom stuff and all the little extra things that when you're going from maybe a house or an apartment to something that you want to do. And it's always more costly than what you want. So to have some sort of a home buying budget, I think, is really important and it eases the stress that you have i laugh when i can only imagine with you and your wife are all excited to think about purchasing a house only to discover that you're really not in the place to do it <laughs> but yeah. yet you 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 move forward and prepared yourself and i mean it's <laughs> to be as, as sort of an example of we're talking in late february right now it is snowing to beat the band outside. I just came in from shoveling for two hours. And you know what, when we were renting, I didn't have to worry about that. That was <laughs> not my problem. I could sleep in and, and go, uh, you know, step outside and someone had already come and shoveled the, the steps and shoveled the, the walkway and stuff. Uh, as a homeowner in the book, uh, there's two sort of examples. Uh, you know, when you go from renting to owning your own home, it's a little bit like leaving a salaried job for owning your own business or, or being your own boss. You know, you have, more freedom, you have uh, sort of uh, more financial upside where you, where you might be able to actually very likely to, to realize more financial gain. Um, at the same time, you're taking on a lot more risk and responsibility. It's a lot more work. And another way I, I, I tend to think of it is, you know, the difference between babysitting your nephew for an afternoon and parent, full on parenting and, you know, babysitting, <laughs> you know, you're having fun with the kid and like, this is fun. And then like, at the end of the day, you can drop them off. Whereas parenting is like middle of the night, you know, nightmares and trips to the ER and expenses and daycare. <laughs> and it's, but it's also the best thing that's ever happened to you in most cases. So um, it's just a lot more work and responsibility and expense. Um, and, it, it, you know, a, a lot of financial advisors and folks say to budget about 1% of your home's price per year for expenses, um, maintenance and stuff like that. And, you know, I talk about the book, that seems crazy that like on a $400,000 home, that'd be like 4,000 a year. And, um, but it does add up if you need to, you're going to need to replace a roof somewhere in 20 years. And so that that's like 10 or $15,000. You spread that out over the 20 years that it lasts. And, there's a thousand bucks right there almost. And then your, your boiler, your hot water heater, your refrigerator will eventually go. Yes. And all these things, you know, they get sort of annualized. And it's not that you're always spending that much on like, you know, lawnmowers or something like that, or right. the gutters, you know, it's just, there's big chunky expenses that come due. And, and they're and always unexpected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really are always unexpected you know john what i'm thinking of doing is um maybe it would be a, a good time for us to take a break and when we come back 
I know you have a list and things that you can help people understand about how to even begin the process. And you always hear this location, location, location. And so let's take a break and then let's have you kind of outline the thought process that people really need to go through. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, Senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is John Gorey. He is the author of Home Buying 101. And if you would like to know more about him and some of the information that he has, you can go to houseandhammer.com. And John's books are in all the local bookstores. John, when we took the break, we were talking, you know, I threw out there location, 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 but there are so many more things to consider. What would you like to um, help our help the listeners understand well to be honest location is it, there's a reason they say that's the number one thing in real estate right and that's because that's the thing you can't change you can um generally you know convert a bedroom to a bathroom you can add, you can build up you can build out at square footage you can do a lot of things to a house you could tear it down and build a new one but you can't change where it is to um and that's why that's the number one thing and and where we live sets a lot of other uh, dominoes in place for our life, right? It's, uh, it determines the schools that your kids or future kids might go to. It determines your commute and how much of your life you're going to sit in traffic. You know, if it's an extra five minutes a day, that's times, you know, every day for the rest of 20 years or something, that's uh, a, a considerable portion of your life. It, it determines that air that we breathe, you know, whether there's pollutants and stuff. It, it determines how close you are to a hospital if you need it, or, or whether or not you can get outside and walk around and go hiking, or whether you can, you know, walk to go pick up, uh, walk to go to a restaurant or something, or if you need to drive. All these little facets of our daily lives are tied up in that location bit. So it's really important to get that right and to, and to sort of think about that first and foremost. That's the thing that you cannot change. So generally for home buyers, it's really good to sort of um, keep an open mind about where might work for them, you know, make a sort of a, whether it's a, a commuting circle around where their job is, or maybe it's more important to meet your family or, you know, whatever the priorities in your life are, finding that sort of little neighborhood that you want to be in, or that sort of group of neighborhoods that are acceptable to you. That's, that's sort of the number one on the needs and wants list. You know, that's something that where the state agents will, will coach you on and, is to, you know, John, when I'm talking to clients very often, I'll say to them, live where you want to play. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's even particularly important as people are considering selling their big houses and downsizing and kids are gone and, you know, they're thinking about this next piece. But I think it is really important being able to think about all of those different things, the church that you want to go to, and like you said, family or, or location for your children. If you've got to cart them around once they get into school and they're into right. everything. I mean, it is important. Uh, I spoke to a, a relocation expert at one point. And she said, basically, it's a lot easier to remodel your kitchen than it is to change a school district, right? Once you've sort of set down roots in a community and you've made friends there, you're, you're going to a certain church every Sunday and like those are your people, uh, it becomes a lot harder to leave. There's Newton's law of inertia, you know, it's just an object at rest and stay at rest. Um, 
moving is a pain in the neck and it's not something you <laughs> want to do, right? So you want to get that right the first time. There's some other things that, you know, you can't change um, or that you can, but they're difficult too. Like the, the sort of elevation of a home, right? What, is it going to be underwater uh, in a rainstorm or, or, you know, after a flood or something like that? Um, you can generally sort of grade a building site a little bit to help you out in that regard, but that's something. And then you beg home buyers not to get caught up on the things that they really can change, like paint colors and flooring and, um, you know, basically almost any cosmetic scene, old Formica uh, counters or, or, you know, stuff like that, ugly tile in a bathroom, all of that is really not a big deal considering, you know, it, you, it's stuff that you can live with for a few years if you need to. Um, and that's one of those important things when you think about needs versus wants. Uh, the stuff you absolutely need from a property to sort of meet your lifestyle and your goals and the stuff that would be nice to have, but you could live without because you're not going to get everything, especially not in a seller's market like this. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to make some sacrifices unless you're absolutely made of money. Uh, and that's where you can sort of cut those things off where you're like, well, I know this is an ugly house, but it's right near my, my favorite restaurant. It's right near our parents and, you know, my sister and it's got a great, you know, neighborhood and school district and stuff. Um, those might be more important to you than, than what the wallpaper looks like. Well, people don't really have to think that their home is forever. In fact, most people don't live in their house forever. Right. It's Sometimes it's a first house or a second house. Um, but some of the same um, things are very, I think, important. So when you're just starting out, of course, if you do want to have a family, you have to take into consideration some of those things, the safety, um, what you like. But even in retirement, you're looking at many of the same things, conveniences, being able baby to walk everywhere, or a church. So I think many of the questions you're talking about are very similar. Yeah, that's true. When you're talking to a client or you're talking to someone teaching a class on, on home buying, what do you see as the one thing that stands out that people forget about? Or they, you know, sometimes I think they don't want to look at. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really easy to get caught up and think that if you watch enough HGTV, which people do if they're like sort of actively house hunting, right? That's a sort of intoxicating thing for almost anyone. Um, you would think that you look at three houses and then you're done, right? You could buy a house in a weekend. Uh, and that's not the case, especially right now. I mean, there's a lot of buyers out there who were bidding on five, six, seven houses and getting rejected each time. and every time it gets, you know, the first one really stinks. Uh, it's an emotional process. You, you, in order to put an offer in a house, you have to sort of imagine yourself living there. You have to imagine your life there. And that's, you know, telling yourself a story and you get sort of attached. And then when that doesn't happen, it's, it can be crushing at first after five or six, it's infuriating and people start overbidding to sort of like put an end to the, frustration right um and so I, I think people really need to gird themselves because it's it's a difficult emotional roller coaster uh when you get out there and, and it will probably take longer than you think you know it, just like a home improvement bill it's going to cost more and take longer than you expected 
I know that a lot of people are putting in offers and they're waiving many things that we've always had to consider before. What does that look like? Um, I mean, this is where uh, an experienced realtor is pretty helpful because they tend to have some tricks. Uh, a good one may know a lot of the seller's agents in their market and be able to sort of do some work behind the scenes for you, just sort of knowing what it's going to take to win an offer. Um, but basically, what it comes down to, if you're a seller and you get an, and you get 10 offers and they're all the exact same price, but one of them, you know, there's a home inspection contingency, which is really good for a buyer because that allows you to sort of either knock off price uh, of, you know, some repairs that might be needed or even back out of it. Uh, if, if an inspector sees something amiss, uh, there's financial contingencies a mortgage mortgage contingency where if your financing falls through you're not you can back out of the sale you know stuff like that and a seller would rather not deal with those things because those are all things that could derail the sale you know closer to the time when they think that they're going to close on it um so as a buyer you're competing with all these people and there are ways to sort of finesse that a little bit um it might take a while to talk about it, but one one thing that some realtors will recommend is doing sort of a pre-inspection. Um, if the seller is amenable to it, you can have an inspector come with you when you tour the house, and you know before you even put an offer in, they'll do a, a fairly thorough home inspection. But you're going to have to pay them for it, whether you put an offer in or not. That's the tricky thing. So if you do this on like five houses, it, it gets pretty expensive pretty fast. But if there's one that you really love and you think this is the one and you know that you need to be competitive you might bring in an inspector before you put the offer in just so you know what you're getting into and then you could waive that inspection contingency knowing what you know you know that maybe it's probably going to cost you five thousand dollars to replace that rotting deck or something right um but you, but you've had some you've had an expert evaluate the property and you know that you're not going to be in for a money pit or anything um another option that some people do is um there's a type of inspection that's basically just a walk away inspection. And it's like you, you write or a contingency and you say, I'm not going to try and bargain down the price if I find anything wrong. But if there's something majorly wrong, that's like bigger than $25,000 or something, I reserve the right to walk away. Right. And that's not quite as daunting to a seller because they generally understand the, the faults of their property. Um, and another thing that um, some realtors recommend is getting pre underwritten. So instead of just getting pre-approved with your mortgage, uh, which is, you know, where you go through all the financial uh, paperwork and uh, your lender sort of gives you, uh, uh, reviews your, your income limits and your debt and everything, and you've given them all of your tax records and financial statements and stuff like that. And they like the look of it and they think, you know, if, if it all shakes out, then, then we're good. That's a pre-approval. That's really good. That's a must-have right now. But pre-underwriting is you go even an extra step farther and basically get a mortgage in place for a certain amount and you can then waive your your mortgage contingency because you are fully underwritten the bank has seen you know this particular property and they they like what they see and they're willing to give you that mortgage that you've cleared everything um and that's one more contingency you can sometimes you know pull out of the offer if you go through all that extra effort I think that's a really good idea that just um, reminds me to encourage people to create a relationship with a bank. 
and a banker, someone that is going to answer your questions, someone that's going to be available because these things happen very quickly. You can't just go and find all this and then go and never have met a banker before and right. think that you're going to get this type of service. Uh, but they will give that service, but you, they're going to ask you questions and want to spend time. And usually time is of the essence. My guest today is author John Gorey, and he has written a book, Home Buying 101. And we're going to take a quick break. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to know more about us, go to ellenbecker.com. If you'd like to be able to share this show with someone that you know that is maybe looking at purchasing a home, you can go to ellenbecker.com and go to Money Sense Radio Show, and it will be on there for you, and it's very easy to share. My guest today is John Gorey. He is the author of Home Buying 101. And some of the things that we've been talking about today is deciding the right time to buy, getting your finances in order, choosing a realtor or going solo, accessing neighborhood comps, deciphering the MLS readings, buyers versus seller markets, types of mortgage loans, property insurance, making a smart offer, all of these things that are so incredibly important to, um, to have at the top of your mind when you're going through, because buying a home is a very exciting thing and you can get lost in the process. And you can maybe commit to things that you really haven't thought through. So, John, this is really a crazy seller's market. What are some of the additional things that you might encourage people to think about? Yeah, so we just talked about, you know, trying to knock a couple of contingencies off of your offer that makes it a little bit more um, without putting yourself at undue risk, right? That's important. Uh, but realtors have also given me a whole bunch of different suggestions of how they coach their buyers. And, you know, that includes using what you have. So, you know, if you are living with family and you don't have like your lease is not expiring, you're pretty flexible on your move out date or if you have a month to month lease, that's something that, um, you know, someone who's selling their home and moving, trading up, you know, to a bigger one, they're gonna probably have a bigger down payment than you because they're gonna be able to sell into this crazy market and cash out that existing home. But what they don't have necessarily is the flexibility that you do. So you might be able to offer a faster or longer closing date than someone else. You can make that clear to the seller's agent that like, listen, we're totally flexible. Even if the seller needs to live in the house for like an extra month after we close, we could lease it back to them because we're flexible. That's something that you have that not everyone in the market might. Um, one seller told me, she's like, if, you're, if your family owns a landscaping business or, um, you know, you could offer the seller a, a, a year of free landscaping or snow plowing, right, at their new house or something like that. Um, just use whatever sort of uh, advantages you might have at your disposal. Um, and an economist told me, uh, this is uh, Daryl Fairweather from Redfin, um, she said that, like, a good tip is to kind of shop below your budget. You know, let's say you're qualified for 350000 don't be looking at those $349,000 homes because they're probably going to go for above that. I mean, you, you can look at them, but try not to get too attached and maybe focus a little bit more at the 320 level because then you know if you see one, you can go in strong. You've got enough flexibility in your budget to kind of come in over the asking price and, and uh, 
you're less likely to get heartbroken, right? <laughs> um, and another realtor told me to look at houses that have been sitting for you know three, four weeks on the market. Sometimes they just were a little bit overpriced to begin with, and that initial frenzy passes it by. And after it's been sitting there, people get a little bit wary. And you know, maybe it's sitting there for a good reason. Maybe it's weird, the layout doesn't work, or it's on like a busy street or something like that. But there's a chance that maybe it's just sort of slipped through the cracks uh, and it might be worth, you know, taking a second look at. And if it's been sitting around, they might entertain a lower offer, um, even in a seller's market like this. Um, one of the uh, realtors I spoke to gave me the best advice I've ever heard about making an offer. And he said, would it offer as much as you would feel like you would feel good about getting it and you would feel good about not getting it, right? That's the line that you want to hit. Like you would almost feel relieved if you didn't get it and yet you would you would feel it, you don't want to offer let's say 349,000 and you're like if you don't get it you're like I wish we'd offered 349,500 right like you don't want to be kicking yourself so you want to go up to your like the highest you can where you're not going to feel regret if you if you miss out you're almost going to feel a relief that you didn't get it uh, he said that's the sort of in this in this you know that's not great in a in a more balanced market, but in this sort of hot market, that's sort of the line that you're looking for. I also had somebody once tell me that a good idea is if you really love a house and there's several people you think bidding on them, send a letter with your offer why you want the house. Make it personalize it. Personalize it and say, you know, my parents live really close by here and I love this. My favorite restaurant is and we would love to raise our kids or whatever the reason you want. Make it personalize it um, so that they can almost visualize who you are living in their home. And I know a lot of times, I mean, I have sold houses and I've heard back after friends or someone, they, oh, they painted everything, they changed everything. It's like, oh, my beautiful house. <laughs> How could you do that? You know, or whatever it is that you want to do to sort of personalize it a little bit. There, I have heard more <laughs> recently from uh, a couple of realtors that they are a little bit wary of letters these days because it can sort of tiptoe into that like fair housing and discrimination problems where like if you write all about how you want to raise your kids there and stuff like that. Well, all of a sudden, and this other letter <laughs> doesn't have kids, you know, like all of a sudden it starts to create problems and the, the listing agent doesn't want trouble and just starts to not read them. They might not uh, even show them. So it had, but I've also heard from people who it, it does work um, if you're able to do it in a sort of careful way. Yeah. I think now it's just trying to be creative Yeah, in some ways. The things that you're talking about is think through it you know, and see if there's ways that you can be a little more creative in your offer to purchase. Yeah. And um, like I said before, the other thing to remember in this hot market is there's no, there's no shame in continuing to rent until you're ready, until you find the right place. You're better off doing it right than just sort of jumping in and overextending yourself and being burdened with a house that you can't afford three years from now, you know? Buyer's uh, remorse. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there has been some of that, you know, people got antsy during the pandemic and were just looking for anything that they could buy, right? Because there's no stores open to restaurants and like, and just sort of looking for a change of scenery, hoping that that would sort of, uh, you know, shake things up and improve their lives to some degree. And, uh, and for a lot of people that did, there were also some people who found that like, gosh, I made the wrong choice. You know, it, it mm -hmm. happens. And that's an expensive sort of buyer's regret to have. 
what would you say to individuals today that are looking at buying? I mean, would you, where would the first place that they should start? You talked about being emotionally prepared. You talked about um, really working with a financial advisor or a bank or someone to help you to really get a realistic idea of what you can afford. And I think also to have a realistic idea of all the things that what you had spoken about earlier that are going to be there, all the things you have to do. Maybe you're coming from an apartment and you have to cut your grass, you know, or yeah. shovel your snow. Or I mean, all of that stuff really does add up. Now you've got two bathrooms instead of one bathroom and, <laughs> you know, all the things that are unexpected. And what are some of the other things that they really need to almost, it sounds like, make a list and jot down. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you can't start working on your credit score soon enough. You know, that's, it's a, it's a huge deal. I'm sure you've spoken about this at length on your show, but, um, you know, lenders are going to be very concerned with your credit score and fair or not, it, it's going to determine, you know, what kind of mortgage rates you get, whether or not you get the ones that are advertised or, or if you're going to have to pay more. And it's never a bad thing to have a a good credit score and some easy ways to sort of improve that you know obviously number one is to pay your bills on time every time um and number two is to pay down some of your credit card credit card debt that's like the fastest way you can legally improve your credit score is to just pay down your balances because that credit utilization uh ratio they call it is is a big factor in your score and you can change it in a day just by paying down some of your debt you granted by paying down debt that takes away from your down payment fund. Um, and so those are, you know, it's, it's a balance. And, uh, and that's why but time helps. You talked about when you went to that class, you realized you didn't have any escrow money. How do people determine the amount of escrow that they should realistically have saved up in order to put money down and sort of clinch the deal? Yeah, I mean, that's, it, it varies from market to market, and your buyer's agent will have a good sense of what is expected, right, in, in your local market. But um, for us at the time, our, our our agent said, like, you need to have at least a thousand dollars as good as a good faith deposit. You know, it, it would be better if you had more, but it's that's at least the minimum. Um, and yeah, we barely had that. And um, I think the more you can put down, that is going to sort of make your offer stand out a little better. It makes you look like a serious buyer and not just like a couple of kids like my wife and I were at the time. Um, and, you know, generally, if you structure your offer correctly, if, you're, if, you're, if your realtor is on your side and careful, then that money is not really at risk. You just have to have it and you have to have committed it to being it's going to just go down towards your down payment eventually. Um, but that's why even with a zero down payment mortgage, you still need a little bit saved up. Um, and whether that, you know, there, there's ways to get that money amassed, you know, your tax refund, we're coming up on tax season. It's really exciting and tempting to do something fun with it, but that's a good chance to, to sock away, you know, yes. a thousand or two, just sort of automating, you know, even if it's, even if it's $50 a week, uh, into a into a savings account that you're not going to touch until you're ready to make a down payment. You know, over if you can do that for a year, that's 2,500 right there, and that's uh, you know that's not a hefty down payment, but it's enough to make that that good faith mm -hmm. deposit. It's enough on a low down payment mortgage that uh, you're going to get a lot closer. I know that um, 
it makes sense too to check with your home insurance, your auto insurance, because you can get a better deal if you have your auto and your home together very yeah. often. So that's another good thing. And then do you recommend that when someone does an offer to purchase that they actually um, have an attorney? You know, I think we're going to take a quick break. Oh, sure. <laughs> All of a sudden it got so good. Why well, I'm not paying attention to the, to the time. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit about that, that offer and what people need to be really concerned about with that. We'll be right back. The Greater Midwest RV Show is coming to the Sheboygan Ice Center Complex in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and you're invited three days only, Friday, March 25th through Sunday the 27th, from the Cunis RV Group, Wisconsin's number one RV and camping dealer group. Exclusive Greater Midwest RV Show discounts and savings on over 1,500 of America's best-selling RV and camper brands, including fifth wheels, travel trailers, and motorhomes. Low special event financing. Delivery within 100 miles included with every purchase. New 2022s available with huge manufacturer discounts and incentives, plus D-Winner included with every RV and camper purchase. Prize drawings daily with a $500 grand prize camping kit. Wisconsin's biggest RV and camping event with free parking and free admission. During this three-day event, we're paying above top market value on all RV and camper trades, no matter what the age or condition. Hundreds of pre-owned units available as well. Don't miss the huge Greater Midwest RV Show. Three days only, Friday, March 25th through Sunday the 27th, exclusively at the Sheboygan Ice Center Complex at 1202 South Wildwood Avenue or online at cunisrv.com. So after trying to find that perfect home from the current batch of what's available on the real estate market, you've come to the conclusion that if you're going to get the home you really want, you're going to have to build it. That can be one of the most exciting decisions you'll ever make, because at the end of the day, you will get exactly what you want. But where do you start? At Bellman Homes, we know the prospect of building your new home can be a lot to take in. That's why we put together over 50 different articles, downloadable eBooks, and guides to help get you started. You'll find it all at bellmanhomes.com. What you need to know before buying a lot, what questions ask potential builders, industry trends, market forecasts, it's all there for you because we know educated choices make for happy homeowners. This is David Bellman. My staff and I are dedicated to making sure your home building experience is a happy one. And the homes we build are testaments to our commitment to keeping our customers happy. Nothing says more about a home builder than the homes that A lower mortgage rate can make a noticeable difference on your budget. It's true. You could be saving hundreds of dollars a month simply by refinancing to one of these incredibly low rates. Think of how much that can help. Then pick up the phone and call American Financing. And do it now before rates get any higher. I mean it. Rates are expected to rise later this year. You really should not miss out on what's available now. After all, it only takes a 10-minute call to get started you'll get a free no-obligation mortgage review, which will tell you if you can save up to $1,000 a month without resetting your term. You can choose any term 10 years and over. So don't put this off any longer. Call American Financing right now at 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumeraccess.org. Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty.
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And if you just tuned in, we are talking about buying a new house. It could be your first house or a second house. Some of the things to really consider and think about. My guest today is John Gorey, and he wrote a book called Home Buying 101. And it is um, a great book for anyone, especially in a market like this. It's just crazy and such a frenzy. If you would like to know more about John and his book, you can go to houseandhammer.com. And the book is in all the local bookstores. John, one of the things before we took the break and um, that I recognized that we were running over on time was that I mentioned having an attorney look at your offer to purchase do you do you recommend that or should people just rely on their broker that is helping them and um what if the broker is buying is helping you buy the house but is also selling the house i think those are two things that are can be confusing right so there's such a thing as dual agency uh, in most most states do allow it it's kind of kind of sketchy <laughs> as when you have a buyer's agent they should be um what's the word a fiduciary to you right where they are you know legally bound to have your best interest at heart um and if usually if an agent is representing the seller and the buyer or even if they're you know their same realty uh, the same brokerage is representing both parties even if it's a different agent um you would need to sign a disclosure that says that you recognize that that's happening and that you're still willing to go through with it. Um, and you know, that can be fine. It, it also opens up just a, a can of worms for conflict of interest, you know, where an agent can't have the seller's best interest at heart and yours at the same time, because the seller is trying to get the most you know money for this yes. asset and your agent is trying to get it to you for the least. Uh, so it's, just not necessarily going to work out. Um, so that is, uh, you know, it can work in sometimes, but it, you really, it's better to have an agent who's just looking out for you. Um, in terms of having an attorney look at your offer, uh, there are some states that require it. Um, others allow just sort of a notary to sort of handle that sort of thing. It's not, it's never a bad idea, you know, and it's, it's not like you're going to be paying um, $500 an hour for an with the clock rolling like you're in a taxi cab, right? There's usually a set fee for a real estate attorney and they will look it over and just sort of make make sure that everything in there looks okay um, and is not going to put you at undue risk. Um, that said, some banks require you to have an attorney. Um, they'll make you pay for it, but the attorney is only making sure that the bank is, is cleared. They're not necessarily <laughs> helping you. You just have to pay for it. So the realtor can kind of coach you on that and, and, and sort of what they think you might need to do and, and where you could save some money if necessary. And the bank is typically going to want to have an appraisal done um, yeah. that you're responsible for. And if you're overpaying for a house, you may not be able to get a bank loan. Exactly. I mean, that's been happening a lot in the hot market the way it is. Um, you know, let's say there's a bidding war that happens on a $400,000 house and somebody offers 415 and somebody has an escalation clause that goes up to 425 and someone else comes in at 450. Um, and they're like, hooray, I, I got the, I got the, got the house. I offer, yeah, I got the house. And then <laughs> the bank goes in and says, you know, they pay, you have to pay the appraiser, even though it's really to protect the bank, you have to pay for it. And the appraiser might say, this house is really only worth market value, like 410, you know, that's as high as I can go. So then the bank is only going to lend up to that. They're not gonna, uh, 
overextend themselves. And that means either you have $40,000 extra <laughs> that you just have to kick in. You know, that's why having a, a bigger down payment is, it offers more flexibility to you. Um, most of us don't just have that lying around and uh, you could either then go back to the seller and say, you know, here a, a fair market appraisal says that this house is not worth that. Could we, could we talk the price mm -hmm. down a little bit or you might just have to walk away. Make sure you know what the taxes are um, on the house that you understand. You can ask for heating bills. I mean, you can really ask for a lot of things so that you can get a great idea of what is the house cost of this house actually going to be for you, for your bottom line. Right. Yeah. It's not just the mortgage, you know, they call it pity, P-I-T-I. -I. There's the principal and the interest of your mortgage. That's only half of it. Then you have your taxes, which is, you know, not insignificant, you know, it's usually several hundred dollars, sometimes a couple thousand dollars a year. Sometimes if you're in New York or Connecticut, it's, you know, 10,000 plus a year, it's almost a thousand a month. Um, just on a, on a fairly, you know, average, you know, modest house. house. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then your insurance is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, up to, to a hundred a month as well. Um, or, or, or more, I think, yeah, I think ours is actually somewhere around like 16, 1700 a year. Um, and that, and that part of it doesn't go away. Even after 30 years, you're still going to be paying taxes and insurance probably more than you do now. So, um, you know, this is kind of a crazy time with such a frenzy, but I've sold a house in the past and not in a market like this, where someone has come in with such a low ball offer that it's absolutely an insult. And when they come back again, I'm sort of done with it. You know, right. it, it, and so I think one of the things that you talk about is making a smart offer and it really does depend on the market at the area. I mean, looking at the comps in the area, what it is and, but I don't think it often makes sense to come in with such a low offer and start there. I, you know, it doesn't, no, I mean, it's an insult. Homes, it's an insult and it's a very <laughs> emotional, you know, for the buyer, it's an emotional roller coaster. for the seller. It's an emotional experience too. They may have, you know, lived decades here. They may have raised their family there. They may be very attached to the home improvements that they that they did, the kitchen that they designed, you know, and they want to think that people love it as much as they do. And uh, you don't want to insult them <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, that's just going to turn up. Uh, they're just going to sort of block you out after that. Are there any, we have about a little over a minute left, and I'm wondering if there's anything that you would like to share with our readers that you've experienced as you've gone through this that maybe we haven't talked about. Oh, gosh. Well, um, you can definitely send them to my website, houseandhammer.com. Uh, I've got a lot of sort of home buying checklists and uh, timelines and that sort of thing there. Obviously, you can check out the book. Uh, it's at libraries, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org is a great place to pick it up um, because they can sort of direct the profits to your favorite local indie bookstore. Because, um, you know, it's a big, scary step. And at the same time, it's one that people do every day. And it's one that will sort of set you on a track to, you know, it's the biggest generator of, of, of wealth in this country uh, the last few decades. And <laughs> so many things to share, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but we're at, out at the end of the time. I don't know. I just get so excited about home buying because I think it's such a big investment and people feel so good when they've saved the money that they yeah. can buy a house. You know, it's just it, it 
I would hate to have anybody feel bad and have that buyer's remorse. My guest today is John Gorey. He is the author of Home Buying 101. You can go to houseandhammer.com for more information. John, thank you so much for being my guest today. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great day. Bye-bye.